So, we're talking about work this morning. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the first page. So, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible and you're a guest here this morning, would you, Matt, would you go uh, change the... I'll, I'll never keep it under 35 minutes if that timer doesn't go. I'll just tell you right now. Okay, there we go. Um, turn in your Bibles to Genesis. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and one of our ushers would love to bring a Bible for you. Uh, if that's your first Bible, you go ahead and keep that Bible, underline it, bring it back next week. And, and we're going to be in the book of Genesis for, for the next four weeks, essentially. And, and here's why, is that Genesis is filled with, in fact, its name is, is Genesis, which means the beginnings. And if you're new to Christianity, you're new to church, you're new to God, period, uh, Genesis is a great book to actually start because it is the origins of where everything begins. And so we need to go back to the beginnings in order to find out uh, what's going on with with work. And over the next four weeks, we're going to deal with four things. And I, I can't cover everything. I just want you to know that. I'm feeling less and less like I can cover everything on Sunday mornings. And you're like, I I know, but you sure try, Trev. I know, that's why it takes so long. But first of all, what is work? That's this week. Second of all, what's right about work? That's next week. Third, uh, what's wrong with work? And so you're going to have some questions about, oh yeah, but that, Trev, you never said, yes, that's why you have to be here for week three. What's wrong with work? And then the last week, I want to give a beautiful, if I can, give you a beautiful picture of work and what this could look like if we view work through God's eyes instead of just through our eyes. So we're going to deal with the first question, what is work? I know this morning you probably have or you think you have a pretty good idea about what work is. It's so much a part of what we do. It's how we think. It orders our schedules. It does a lot of stuff. It helps pay our bills, right? Or you're like, helps pay our bills? That's what it is. Well, we're going to pull this apart and we're going to say, actually, the longer I study it, studied it, the more vague it seemed. And the, and the more difficult it was to kind of nail this down. But it's interesting when we do that little meet and greet in the morning uh, that some of you actually find a little awkward. I usually ask the new people that I know what brings you to Calgary and almost always it's either family or work. I still have not met anyone who was like, you know what, I really love the climate and I heard about it. it was an awesome city so I decided to just move here and just hope for the best. Never heard that yet. What I've heard is, I found work here. Found work here. Work brought me here. Work transferred me here. I grew up here but then I found work here. This is what roots me in this particular city. And so I know that this is, part, this is what roots me in this city. Is work, But let's take a, a second. You say, what, what, you know, we, we've got to have kind of a common language if we're going to deal with this whole issue of work. You think you know what the definition of work is? Well, follow me here for a moment. So you wake up Monday morning and you go to work. Okay, you work hard all day. Then when you're finished working, what do you do? You go to the gym and you work out, right? You following me so far? Okay, you get home. There's work to do around the house. My kids, they need help with their homework. And something else is, um, 
Something else is in need of work. So then uh, my spouse or my roommate, whatever it is, sends me a text or an email, and I get really worked up over it. Then uh, I, I calm down a little bit, and I work out a plan on how to not be exhausted from this email. See how difficult this starts to get with the definition of work? And then I end the night by making short work of the leftover chocolate cake on the counter. And before I head to bed, I get ready for work the next morning. I say all that in, in a way to get you thinking that when we start to try and define work, it actually gets very difficult. And some of you have a predetermined understanding of work. You, you would consider it the stuff you get paid to do. But this excludes a large portion of people in our world. It excludes, you know, an understanding of volunteer, the, the stay-at-home moms, the volunteers who don't get paid. I mean, tell a stay-at-home mom that she doesn't work and you're looking for a fight. Yes, it's work. It's not the same kind of work. No, I understand that, but it is work. I mean, I've got a little taste of this. When I got the kids, I'm like, I can't work and work. This isn't work work. So we need a more robust definition of work other than what we simply get paid to do. But, but how would we do that? How does that go? How does that work? So this morning I want to do my best to just basically paint in really broad strokes and help us get like a vernacular, a language, a definition of what we think work is. And I'll tell you what, I, I didn't have very much success when I read books on work. I read commentaries on Genesis. I read works on work. And I didn't find a lot of help when it came to this understanding. No one was able to carefully define for me what this actually was. There was kind of illusions. There was how do we, how do we work towards God? And there's, there's kind of this, this, this understanding that, that how does faith and work connect? I actually had a literal conversation with someone on Friday night about this. Just ask me straight up. I struggle to figure out how my faith and my work integrate. I seem to compartmentalize them was the struggle. And I said, well, that, that's, that, that's great. I'm actually preaching on this on Sunday morning, but um, this, this is a struggle for a lot of us. Some of us think, well, th this means that I, I share my faith at work. Like, like I'm a witness, and so I've got to speak, and, and my work is here, and, and my Christian life is here, and so then i just got to speak about my faith at my work. And some were like, well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my faith. I'm going to show what I believe in Jesus through my work, and hopefully, I, you know, maybe I don't have to say anything. And I, I would say this, that if we get into our brains that there's only one way to integrate faith and work, I think we miss the mark. That there is no main way in which you integrate your faith work. Faith and work. You integrate your faith and work, period. There's not one way that's more right than another. I remember some of my work where I couldn't share the gospel. In fact, I was a, uh, on the construction site, and for those of you who have been on a construction site, the worst person is the guy who talks a lot. And I remember thinking, like, if I'm obedient to Jesus, I am going to share my faith while I work, and my boss sat me down, he said, Trev, you would be an incredible help to our team if you shut your mouth. 
What was amazing is as I closed my mouth and I worked the job without saying anything, I began to have opportunities because I earned credibility. He could count on me to work hard. And I began to see, oh, there's not one way to do this. There's multiple ways to integrate faith and work. And so it's different for everyone. I don't know everyone's work. I'm fascinated by it. But I don't know exactly what everyone does. And so I can't answer every single question. It's not possible. But, but the first thing that I think we need to deal with is found in Genesis 1. And this is where we'll start. And I'll start by saying there's two things that I find in the first two chapters of Genesis in regards to work. The first one is work is reflecting God. Work reflects God. And I'll get to why I think that in a moment. Secondly, work is good. Work is good. This is surprising news to some of you because you're frustrated with your work. But we'll get to that in a bit. So the first question, uh, you know, what, what is work? Work is reflecting God. I want to read these uh, passages for you. And what I'm going to do is start in chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And I want to read this. Starting in verse 27 there, it says, So God created man in his own image. Actually, the word is for humanity. So don't, don't get cornered that this is just talking about males. This is all of humanity being created. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. You notice God's word usage of every and all there. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. As the story continues, you see then in chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You notice I conveniently underlined the word work there for you so that you could pick that up. So to catch you up to speed with where this is actually in the story of God, in the very beginning, God is said to have created everything. I know we could get in all kinds of debates of how does it look like, you know, literal six days. We're not going to get into those things. The primary purpose, I believe, of Genesis 1 is to say this did not happen by accident. This was by God's perfect design that he created everything. Plants, animals, birds, and people. And he made these people in his image. That means you and I have the DNA micro... We have have that, whatever, science. We have that in us. Hopefully there's no science workers here this morning. Or English majors. We have the DNA of God inside us. You know, my kids, when somebody sees them, I had someone say this hilarious. They're like, wow, your kids are beautiful. They must be adopted. I was like, don't ever say that to my wife. But secondly, I can see why you say that. 
But one of the things that, that some people say, and they're much more kind, is they say, oh, wow, your kids look like you. You ever see that? I mean, we were, we were actually just in a group of people, and I could pick out people based upon the way they looked. I was like, they have the DNA of that family, I can tell. Not just because of the way they look, but by the way they act. You can see that too, right? They have the DNA of their parents. We have the DNA of God. We are made in the image of God. When people see us, they have glimpses of what God is actually like. And here's the cool thing is that God says, I, I love this. It's not accidental. I want whatever you do to reflect me. I want whatever you do to make people go, oh, wow, that's just like my heavenly Father. This is so important for us to get. This is critical if you're brand new to the story of God. That we believe this absolutely. That this is not a question mark for us. We are made, male and female, men and women, everyone is made in the image of God. I know that there are issues that, that come out of that. I understand that. But this is critically important for us to get if we're going to understand anything. So what we have then is God creating the world. He creates it perfect. He creates it good. You see that in, in verse 31. God saw everything that he had made. and Behold, it was very good. Not a question mark. There's nothing wrong with creation thus far. It's very good. Here's the cool thing. Is once he's done creating, the Bible describes it as his work. Isn't that fascinating? I, maybe I'm the only one that's fascinated by this. When I create something, I very rarely say it's work unless maybe it's a work of art. But, but th this is what the Scripture actually says. He finished his work that he has done by the seventh day. And then what does he do? He rests. Actually, that word rest is better translated cease. But cease can only make sense if you understand that you're doing something, you can't cease if you're already at rest. So this is what's happening. God is at work creating, and then he ceases from his work. Now, we can get into, we, at this point, we could launch off and say this is a principle that God put in place for the, for the rest of us, a pattern of Sabbath. We can't deal with that necessarily this morning. But, but you can see how this easily leads into an understanding of, of what the Sabbath is, what rest is. That this is actually after the pattern. This is to image God. This is to point back to him and say, we are called to work as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to follow the same pattern of working for six days and then ceasing from our work. That's not a pattern that God just made up for us because he was like, you guys need a break. You know, the, this ceasing is, by the way, not God getting a breather. This is not him like, oh, I'm tired. I need to get out of here, <sighs> catch my breath. No, this is God stopping and he's enjoying his work. This is going to be important later on because that's what he does on his seventh day. He doesn't just cease from his work. He's, he enjoys it. He enjoys it. See how this is so important to get if you're going to understand the, the, the rest of this. This is what... Ultimately, I believe this is what work actually is. And what we're called to do. Work is taking what God has created good 
the raw materials of it and, and creating culture with it. I know that, that word culture doesn't seem to make sense to you. Like culture and work, they don't seem to mix. But actually, if you do any research on this, you will see that culture and work is very similar. If you culture plants, what do you do? You take seed, fertilizer, water, sunshine, and you put them together and you hopefully at the end get plants if you're good at it, right? So this is actually what God causes people to do. He says everything is good and here's the raw materials of creation. Not everything has grown up yet. That's actually what it says. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field, so the seeds are still in the ground. Or the seeds are around and God says, I want you to take these raw materials and I want you to make a culture with it. You still use this when you, in, in gardening terms, by the way. I don't, I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb. I have a, like a white thumb, I think. But c- gardening is culturing. It's taking the raw materials of the plant world and, and putting them together to create order, which sounds awfully familiar to the creation story. I didn't read it for you, but that's really the creation story, is God creating. He's separating land from water. He's taking the raw materials of water and land, but he's separating them. He's taking the light and the darkness, and he's separating them. That's actually how it's described. Night is separated from day because he's taking these raw materials of things that he has created, creating a culture with them. And what's he doing all this for? Well, I don't think it's because he's bored. I mean, he's God. <laughs> he actually probably had a lot better things to do, but what, what did he want to do with this? Why did he want to create this world? Why did he do this? He wanted to create something that would make humanity thrive. When he created man and woman, when he created the world, he was creating the raw materials of a world, but then he invited humanity into this, and he says, now, I want you to take these raw materials and I want you to work. And why are we doing all this? What's our call? To work the ground? Really, this is about having an opportunity to help humanity flourish. Work, I believe. This is my working definition. See what I did there? Some of you caught that. My working definition, I, I, I haven't arrived, I don't think, at this in fullness, but I'm saying where I'm at right now, work is what we do to help humanity thrive. Work is what we do to help humanity thrive. Seems a lot broader than just waking up from 9 to 5, doesn't it? It's a much larger concept, and that's very purposeful. Very purposeful. So important to get... What the, what the purpose is to the work in which we are given, and it helps broaden a, a lot of things and understanding. You think about that, this humanity thriving, I'm sure that's not what you thought of probably, because I know I didn't when it came to work. Do you wake up on Monday morning and go, today I am here to make humanity thrive? No, you don't. But as Christians, I think we can. I think we can wake up on Monday morning and, so there's, and, and say those very things. And so a couple of applications. If this is true, if that work ultimately or, or, you know, again, push back on this after. I'd love the conversations. It's here to start some conversations. 
What's, what's true is that God gives us this work. How we define it is, I, I think he left that, the raw materials of words to us to make a culture of, of work. But if this is true, what does that do? What does this mean? I think it brings incredible dignity to our work. I think it's amazing that the God of the universe who decided to create the world invites all of us, every single person, into this great task called helping humanity thrive. Not just survive, but thrive. To move forward. Some of you need this because you don't feel your work is a big part of doing this. Because no one's ever said and connected what you do to kind of this whole human thriving business. And maybe, maybe, and this is kind of the negative sense of this, maybe this kind of um, definition actually challenges your work to says, what I'm doing clearly does not involve helping humanity thrive. To which I say, well, well perhaps one of the outcomes of today is that you need to change your concept of work and perhaps you need to do different work. It's very possible. See, we believe that when Jesus Christ came, he didn't just come to give us salvation, but to change everything in our life, to change our heart, to change our soul, to change our passions. And for some of us, that's one of the places where we don't allow God to influence us. We have our faith, and then we have our work, and we don't let those two integrate because, well, who knows why? But here's what often happens is that then our faith never informs our work. And some of us, I know, we would be deeply challenged if we had to think in terms of God invites you to participate in human thriving. And, and some of you are going to say, yeah, there's a lot of work out there that doesn't do this. And I'm like, yes, this is why we're taking the time to go through this. This is critical for us in our church, in our church life, in a city that lives and dies on its work. I mean, I don't know another city out there that would be more work-centric and I don't know a lot of cities, but I'm, I'm saying this is filled full in our city. But I think it doesn't just bring dignity to our work. I think it brings equality to all work. It levels the playing field. Hopefully that's going to move on to the next one. Levels the playing field. And one of my big struggles was I, I am married to someone who doesn't, bring home a paycheck per se and who works harder than anyone else I know. And so I had this tension of trying to figure this out and I thought, oh, this job of, of bringing, helping humanity thrive, yeah, yeah. She may not get paid for it, but she is certainly a massive part of helping our family thrive. I mean, have you seen what she does? <laughs> I mean, our, our family doesn't thrive on my paycheck. Our family thrives on the work that she does. I love that. I'm a part too, but I feel like, man, this brings some great dignity to all kinds of work. It brings dignity to the kind of person who's just cleaning up after other people because it's helping humanity to thrive. It doesn't allow those who get paid more for what they do to have greater stature than others because that's just their part. They may get compensated more. They may be first in an area. That's fine and understandable. They have more responsibility, yes. 
But more importance, not in God's eyes. It brings this great equality. And as we think about moving like friends, everyone's work counts when it comes to a church family. And I know at times it feels at work because yes, we have been called to this great opportunity called promoting human flourishing. And we want as many people to be a part of that because it gives such hope and such dignity to what we do and such equality to what we do. And there's not this, it doesn't allow for this hierarchy that goes on in our world. And actually some of our work, some of the work that we do will be smashing down the barriers between the classes because that dignity is work to, to bring into order. That's chaos in our world right now. There's lots of societies, maybe not ours, that it's based upon a class system and it's work to bring those barriers down. Yes, it's work that God loves. It's work to bring down racial and ethnic barriers. Yes, that's work that God loves. It's work to preach the gospel. It was work to take the idea of work, put it into a sermon that was digestible for you on Sunday morning. Some of you, this is the constant joke with pastors. I wish I was a pastor because I only have to work, you know, two hours on a Sunday morning or like 45 minutes or so, 50 minutes for some of you. And I would say there's a lot more work that's involved beyond that. So my question is for you, do you see that? Does that make sense to you? Are you following some of you have been really discouraged by your own work and you, you have this concept like work is there to make me happy and ultimately it's, it's, that's not what's going to make you happy. It also helps us understand why, why there's times when it just, it just feels good to work. Work is one of the few things that we can take in very large doses and have no negative effect on our lives. Like if you ate as much as you worked, what would happen? Let's, let's be real honest. If you played as much as you worked, what would happen? If you did leisure as much as you worked, what would happen? I've seen it with my own eyes. It destroys people. But work can be taken in large doses. And actually there's one commandment that deals with work and sometimes we key in on the, the resting side of that commandment. It says, uh, you know, we key in on don't work one of the days. Actually, that commandment goes, six days you shall work and one day you shall cease from your work. It's a commandment that says, six days I want you involved in this in one. It's a, it's a six to one ratio. Because God designed it this way, which is our second point. Because work is good. Work is good. I think that's going to come up there. Thanks, guys. Work is good. Did you notice chronologically what has happened thus far? Chapter 1 and chapter 2 are kind of weird. It's not just like what happens in chapter 1 stays in chapter 1, and then chapter 2 basically moves on with a different part of the story. It's like camera 1, camera 2. Okay? Camera 1 is Genesis 1. It, it looks at things from this direction. Camera 2 looks at things from this direction. And so there's some overlap here. But chronologically, nothing bad happens thus far in chapters 1 and 2. So work is introduced. Culture making is introduced. Helping humanity to thrive is introduced. But nobody has yet sinned. So what difference does that make? It's incredibly important. 
Because some of you think that work is a direct result of us making a big mess of things. Like, well, that, you know, I, work is hard. Work is difficult. Why is work so difficult? Yeah, you're going to have to come back to week three. See what I did there? I'm working it. Yeah, I'll make you work for it. Good word. Good work. I'm saying there's lots of questions about this, but work is good. This is so important for us to get because some of us are frustrated and we think the problem is the work. The Bible explains, no, it is not. Work is not the problem, sin is. We destroyed what God made good. Work used to be such that, that it wouldn't tire us out. Work used to be such where things went well. Weeds are not a part of this garden yet. Things go well. Cultures are made. Adam is given all, all kinds of opportunities. Actually, Adam is, you know, he's got so much work that he needs someone to help him. That's the Bible says. So it, God looked at this guy and said, it's pretty good, except you need a lot of help. So he creates a helper called woman who comes in and saves the day. So if any would think this is inequality, I would say, well, who, do you, who does the Bible say needed the most help? It wasn't the woman. It was the man who needed that. You can't name him that. You can't name it that. That's, not, that's a terrible name, Adam. He needed Eve to come in and, and basically bring fulfillment and bring equality and bring a fullness to this culture making, this human thriving. And that's why we need both genders for humanity to ultimately thrive. God never designed for one particular gender to make humanity thrive. He said, we need both. And I'll go back to chapter 1, verse 27. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's, there's pieces of our DNA as men, as women, as male and female that we are created to help together make humanity thrive. And it's good. Or as one famous actor said, it's good. Isn't that great news? But the problem does not lie in work. The problem is not with work. The problem is with how we respond to work and what we have done with God's word. And that word, this is uh, in chapter 15 there, it's a very important verse. The Lord God took the man and, and, and took humanity basically and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Like not work it like you're thinking, like not work it like my seven-year-old works it. Have you seen her? She works it, right? I'm embarrassed, I, I, I'm embarrassed to be around because I, I can't work it like they work it. Some of you know what I'm saying. I was not built with bones or muscles that allow me to work it. People are put in the garden to work it. You can actually translate that serve and keep. So work it and keep it could be translated serve and keep. It's also important, and here's why. Work then becomes an opportunity to serve God. That's how it's designed. In the beginning, work is created as an opportunity and a context for us to worship God. Some would say serve can also be translated worship. 
So here's what God's design was. It was so good that he said, I'm going to give you a primary context in which you can worship. You can show my glory. You can show how awesome I am. You can show my amazing qualities. Here's what it is. This is important for us because very few of us consider God our ultimate boss. We don't really think of that when it comes to our work. Everyone in every particular, think, think through the work that you are called to do. I used to have a saying, I worked in a, uh, in a cafeteria, the most difficult work I've ever had. Severely underpaid, severely overworked, right? Some of you have been in that category. And it, it can be demoralizing. It can be frustrating. And I remember we had this conversation regularly with my buddy Ed and, Ed and I. And we would say, even though we hate our job, we love our God. Because he's ultimately our boss. And we don't work. We don't work for these, this cafeteria. We work for God. It brought dignity to our work. It brought equality to our work reminded us that we just have this part to play. And I've never been able to look down on anyone in the service industry again as a result of it. That's what Jesus had me in that for. Because this is a big problem for us is because based upon how much we get paid or how many people we have underneath of us, we think of ourselves as better, even if we're Christians sometimes. But that's not the purpose of work. Work is good and it helps humanity to thrive and that's why we do it. That's why we do it. So different from the other ways of thinking about many other religions. You know, for instance, the Greeks understood work as the curse of the lower class. So anyone who had to work with your hands, you were actually less of a person. That's what the whole Greek culture understood. They said the pinnacle of life is where you don't have to work, where you sit there and watch other people work. But interestingly enough, the story of God actually is a return someday to the garden. That's why in Revelation, heaven, the end times, when it's all said and done, we return to a garden city. We return to the perfect state. And what's the perfect state? We work to make humanity thrive. Heaven's going to be filled with all kinds of different work. Did you know that? Did you know that perhaps your job is preparing you for eternity? So that you can see the fulfillment of work. So that you can see the big picture in everything that you do. I think that's so encouraging for us. That what we're doing right now may count. We're getting skills to use later on. The Babylonians thought that the world was created when one god punched another god in the nose and it bled and, and, and blood dripped to the ground and then it sprang up and formed life. I know that sounds hokey now, doesn't it, when I say it like that. Babylonians really believed this. It shows you that they, everything that happened on earth, they consider was a result of chaos, was a result of anger, was a result of fighting. And God says, no, 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 work isn't a result of fighting. Work isn't a result of me punishing you. Work isn't a result of sin. Work is pre-sin. Work is before everything goes wrong. Work is good. So if that's true, friends, what does that mean? It means we can find fulfillment in our work. We can. 
Maybe we're not there yet, but we can. It's no longer a virtue, really, anymore, it seems, to work hard. Virtue now is to find a job or find a spouse who gets a good job so you don't have to work. That seems to be the virtue now. But it used to be that it was a great virtue to work hard. I remember very distinctly, there's an old um, Play Along Kids tape. You guys remember tapes, right? You know what a tape is? No, I know you don't. It spins on a little dial thing. You need a pencil. Anyways, uh, on a tape, we used to listen to it. And, and here was what it was all about. It was, the, it was on, really, the virtue of work. It was called Ansylvania. They used ants. Anyone heard of Ansylvania? No one. I understand that. Somebody. Now, they always have these sing-along songs that get in your head so that you can remember them 40 years later. I'm 40 years old. I can remember them when I was zero, right? Like they, they, and, and let me see if I can recall the chorus to the song. I think it went something along like, like this. Work, 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 work. Repeat. It was a virtue. It was like working as, some, as a gift from God. They, they used ants. It's kind of hilarious how they use ants in every single word. Uh, the main character's name is Antony, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's funny. Hilarious, right? And he you know, was subject to the commandant. I know, it's hilarious, right? I remember hearing that, though, and it's always stuck with me. My dad worked hard, and my mom worked hard, and my brothers worked. I remember this is an incredibly important virtue that was instilled at me as a young age. But I don't ever remember hearing from God that work was good, that I was the problem, not work that it would come as a result of my sin and our sin as humanity, our disobedience to not keep the command of God that would get us in all our trouble. So if this is true, what else? We can enjoy our work. We can find fulfillment in our work and we can enjoy our work. I finally figured out why I love to clean closets. Anyone? Anyone love to like reorganize everything? Okay, sometimes, you know, and this has happened in closets, right? Closets do not move toward organization. Am I right? Right? You don't move toward organization. You move toward chaos, and pretty soon everything's slipping. And I tell you what, there are some days where it's like, oh, I guess I have to clean out the closet, and I start cleaning it out, and it just rejuvenates me. Like I, love, and it was, I'm, I know, I sound weird, don't I? Some of you are like, no, you don't. That's exactly how I feel. And you're like, I love buying those bins and then getting all these things together and like marking out the bins and stacking them up and making sure nothing's sliding off and it looks perfect. And some days we'll finish and I'll literally be like, I'm going to go in that closet and take a look at that work again. I look at it, I was like, man, that is a clean closet. Now, why does that do something in my soul? Yeah, who knows? Maybe I'm a weirdo. But I think it's because deep inside, God made me in his image. And he said, you are just taking raw materials and bringing order to them. See, why do you think I sat back after creation went, oh man, that's good. That's good, right there. It's not a closet, it's even better. It's a mountain range, that's good. It brings such dignity to our lives. Why do you love it? 
when you accomplish something in your work? Why do you desperately want to be effective in your work? Why do you want to do something that counts? Why do you want to make the world a better place? Why do you want to change our city? Why? I'll tell you why. Because you are made in the image of God and there's something in you that will never die that says, I want to make humanity thrive. Here's what I was hoping, is that you walked out here excited to work. Whatever that is, that's the point of all this, to begin with. This, hopefully, this robust understanding of why God has created us, a vision of what it could look like. And we've just started to begin. Like, I'm just getting started. If you're new, I'm, this is my introduction. I'm kidding. It's not. But I'm saying, I love this stuff. Because it made, it helped bring so much sense to my life. But here's the thing, is that some of you are going to be tempted to get, to use work to get into relationship with God. Some of you are going to use this understanding, this great understanding of work, but because you and I are flawed and we tend to mess things up, we're going to want to say, hey God, here's what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm supposed to work hard for you and I'm going to impress you with my work, right? And God says, no, it's not your work that impresses me. Here's what's crazy. He says, what impresses me is when you trust in the work of my son. How cool is that? That the work that Jesus did on the cross, yes, I am using work in the right sense here, am I? What was the cross? What was that about? So we could have an example to talk about on Sundays? No, it was ultimately to make humanity thrive. Jesus paid the incredible price on the cross. And actually, when you read in the Bible, that's what it says, the work of Christ. The stuff he did to make humanity ultimately thrive is far better than you and I will ever do. And in fact, we make a huge mistake when we superimpose our important work over his. Jesus says, you get to participate in this forever when you trust in my work and not your own. That's an amazing thing, friends. It's amazing. So I'll cut this short. I don't want to because I want to go on, but I know there's a football game this afternoon and I, I know there's food to eat and work to do. And so what I want you to do is, is, is I want you to, I'll call the band up. Amen for the work of the band. Eh? Isn't that awesome? That's work. That's work that we all get to appreciate. I sat on a band once a long, long time ago. It's work. It takes time. But here's what I want you to do. Jesus invites us, ultimately, to participate in his work through faith. We can't earn it. That's, That's the way our work is different than his. We can't earn his favor. We can only receive it through faith. And what we do each and every week is we celebrate a little family meal. It's actually symbolic. We don't believe there's magic here, that if you take these things, suddenly you'll magically stop sinning. That's not how this works. This is a symbol that helps remind us that ultimately we have trusted in Christ's work and not our own. That we have been trying desperately hard to earn God's favor, and we didn't need to because Jesus provided everything that we need that's how the Bible describes it. He paid the price. He earned the salary that was needed. And we don't need to. 
And so we ask you simply to come forward and to receive this. There's a cup and the bread. These symbolize the, the work, the bloodshed, the suffering. It symbolizes in, in the bread, the flesh of Jesus, that he was here. By the way, Jesus worked a job for 30 years before then he moved on to working out salvation on the cross. He knows how you feel. And that's what's symbolized in the bread. So would you come and celebrate? I hope, I hope this brings joy to us this morning as a church family and for visitors, that we can partake this with this robust feeling like we have been invited by the God of the universe into his job to make humanity thrive through faith in Jesus Christ.